Y'all, welcome back to Kentucky Fried Wargaming, where two guys who aren't qualified to talk about anything decide to talk about a game with hard math and chance. I'm Joe. And I'm John. And on this episode, uh, we're coming to you with a topic that I think can be a little difficult to unravel, but I think entirely needs to be talked about. Um, and that is the idea of falling off the hobby wagon, what we mean by it. And maybe what you could do about it, if you or someone you know is struggling with it. Because, like, y'all, let's be honest. Like, the hobby is time-consuming. And uh, sometimes that's hard to fit into a schedule if life's kind of got a couple of haymakers coming at you. You know, not that anybody on this podcast would know anything about that. I ain't here no bell. <laughs> Did you just <laughs> South Park reference me? <laughs> what is this, 2008? Yes. I mean, we are both playing World of Warcraft, Joseph, so yeah. Ah, uh, it's true. John has got me with his fucking World of Warcraft wiles. Um, okay, hey, I wasn't in the first 18 seconds. YouTube save. Um, but yeah, John has got me with his World of Warcraft wiles. I have not bought Dragonland, but I've at least resubscribed to try some of the game changes out. Which has some effect on my hobby progress this week. But there is still hobby progress. Um, unlike some people. Hey, I have some. It's minimal, but it's some. <laughs> On that case, let's play the music and talk about your minimal hobby progress. Alright, John. What's your minimal progress? So, I've been, like, printing a bunch of models for Pathfinder to, to play Pathfinder. Um, I'm gonna count that. Even though it's not wargaming, it is model related. I mean, it is miniature related. Yes, and, and you uh, could say that depending on the lore of your system, it could be a war that we're tangentially and, involved in. And also it is a game. It, so it's yes. It's a miniature war game. Uh, the one of the most excited about is a Tortolan like monk miniature that I printed. Yeah. Which is yeah, like, yeah. This, like Oh, it's so cool. You almost got uh, me to change race with that many. Yes. I can't do it because I'm always committed to character theme over anything else. But damn, I just want to play a big turtle. Yes. Other than that, um, I sort of reorganized my Slaves of Darkness. Um, pulled out what needs to still be built. Pulled out what needs to be like painted. Mm -hmm. And tried to like write down steps and plans for how to tackle each. And... Uh, I started listening to a new Warhammer book, the uh, God Eater's Son, which is a phenomenal book that I highly suggest everyone go out and listen to. Yeah, uh, that's a book about a guy who like starts worshiping chaos and his adventures through the realms. I think. Uh, on a very surface level, that's kind of. I think a, a better description is a guy who is torn between worshiping the gods of order or worshiping the gods of chaos because he's. He kind of stands for the people stuck in the middle. Mm -hmm. I do like that take because I feel like a lot of times it is very black and white. Um, yes. But in the most nuanced depictions of people falling to chaos, they might not even know they're falling or what are their other options. Oftentimes, little to none. Yeah. So, um, 
that that's it. Um, this week, I think I'm going to try to get more Chaos Warriors done. And once I have 10 Chaos Warriors done, I'm going to do a good old streaking grime on those Warriors and the Ogroids I still have that I've been waiting for streaking grime for, for a few weeks. Because it feels weird to just streaking grime three Ogroids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get that. I sometimes also save up some stuff and do a big batch of streaking grime because, you know, when you got it in the airbrush, you just kind of want to do it all. Yeah, I mean, I got the mask on, door shut, ready to breathe in enamels, even though I have a mask on, I really shouldn't be. But, you know, it's whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I know that feeling. Um, But hey, it's some hobby progress, which for a person off the wagon, I feel like you kind of got to be happy with what you get. Yeah. Um trying to be a little kind to myself and that like a little bit is better than fuck all so that's true but what about you what have you been doing mr hobby master i don't know if i'd say i'm a hobby master but uh i feel like it was weird i was trying to think about all i've done for this episode and my brain was like oh you didn't do nothing and i think that's because at the beginning of the year i just had this like surge of uber hobby um so now like this week like, this two-week segment feels like nothing by comparison. But they, yeah, because you did Obi-Wan, didn't you? Uh, I did. I did Obi-Wan and started painting a spirited Earthu. Um, so, last week I was talking about how I'd been painting Obi-Wan for a little while because I am, like, damn near out of Star Wars Legion miniatures to paint. I've only got Yoda left. Uh, and uh, this past two weeks, I finished Obi-Wan. So, uh... You know, streaking grimed him all over and finished up his armor. And then uh, also finally tackled that lightsaber. I just sort of had a night where I was like, damn it, I've been thinking about it enough. Just stop thinking. Just paint the damn mini. And uh, decided to jump in and do OSL for the first time. Because if you're going to do a lightsaber, especially in Obi-Wan's pose where he's got it like so close to his face across his chest and left arm. Like, it just, that light feels like it has to pulsate out to those body parts, the way the the saber is positioned. Especially just with lightsabers in general, it feels like a thing that just makes sense to do. Yeah. Like like plasma guns. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so bright. You've got to do some OSL. So, uh, yeah, I threw on the paint desk and everything else is streaking grime, which kind of dulls it down and gives it a matte look. And then I did the lightsaber with no streaking grime or wash. Like it came on, on the top layer. So it just inherently looks brighter and then did a multicolor workup of that lightsaber and OSL would it out. And while I don't think the OSL ended up perfect, it is my first time doing it. So I'm pr- quite happy with the results. Um, I think it looks pretty decent. I think especially on a table, like, I'm looking at it in my display case now. I think on a table, it's going to look pretty great behind all my clones that I painted. Um, so yeah, I got Obi-Wan done. I just, I've got to base that whole army. And then uh, I also played a couple of games of Age of Sigmar, which was a really good time. Uh, had some friends over, and I got my first games in of the new Sylvaneth book. Well, first, like, real games. Uh, I did play a single learner match with them uh, against a friend of the show, Josh, when I was teaching him Age of Sigmar. But when you are teaching someone Age of Sigmar, it's very different. Like, your lists aren't representative, because really you're just there trying to make sure it, like, 
helps facilitate their learning and experience. Yeah, it's a, it's a different objective. We've talked about it in the show before. Yeah, so like I didn't use all my rules. I certainly didn't build like a real list. Uh, I kind of just brought what I had because like, yeah, like I have 600 painted points. Throw me 600 painted points of what you got. I want to see that new cool mini you have. Oh, well, okay. Um, but these games were full games. Uh, 1,500 points. We weren't quite at 2K. Um, and I brought the Sylphneth. And it was my first time really getting to crack that book open and throw it on the table. Uh, wow. Sylphneth feel pretty cool. Um, the tree quality of life updates felt great. Um, and I had two matches, both of which were victories, but for different reasons. Uh, the first, I went up against the uh, Disciples of Zinch book. Against my buddy Bees, who just... God, Zeech is perfect for that big brain bastard. Um, he brought this list of, like, pink horrors and an ogroid theradon and, like, a bunch of flamers and chariot. And it was all shooting nightmare. Um, and I beat him largely because of objective play. Uh, I think if he would have just focused my stuff down. He could have blown me away, but he split fire to try to like get a little greedy and got unlucky. Uh, or if he had focused on objectives rather than trying to like do kills, I think I couldn't have got through him. Um, he gave me turn one and I threw Kurnoth hunters up onto the three middle objectives, like first turn, uh, and pushed them far enough to where he couldn't get, into like objective control range with hardly anything. And then we just ground it out there over a few turns. And I got to experience what it's like to fight pink horrors. Uh, John, yeah. did you know that a unit of pink horrors that is 10 guys has 50 wounds? Uh, yes, it is disgusting, but also kind of inspiring. My God, I couldn't kill them fast enough. <laughs> like get up the board. God, they were horrifying. Uh, Durthu, I thought was very scary. Like I, I threw Durthu into uh, his ogroid Theradon and like turn one, Durthu cut that ogroid into Sushimi with like 48 or 46 damage. Tons of damage blew him away. Like that song from Breaking Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Halo anthem. Um, that same swing into pink horrors, I dealt like 36 or 38 damage. Didn't even shift them. They didn't even have to take leadership. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> so I've killed 38 models out of your unit, and it's still no leadership? Okay, cool. Cool, cool, yeah, cool, 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 cool. It's maddening, right? <laughs> Love this. This is great. Um... And that's what I realized, like, if he would have given himself first turn and thrown those pinks onto the objectives, I, there's no way I could have shifted them fast enough. He would have just outbodied me and he would have won for sure. So he could have won in two ways and just didn't see it until it was too late. So that was a good victory. Uh, it was a hard fought game, but a good victory. And then second game, I went up against my buddy Moe's Night Haunt and, uh, that I won largely through canny movement. Uh, we started the game and sort of moved up 
and he dropped all of his deep strike on the left side of the table, including Lady Oleander, and she's terrifying. So I charge towards the center and the right side of the table and stacked a bunch of units between his stuff and me and then used uh, all that defense and Mystic Shield to stack saves on a Kurnoth Hunter unit that was sort of acted as an anvil to hold his big deep strike left flank in place away from me and then brought in sort of like a hammer force of Kurnoth Hunters and Durthu to slam the right flank with magic support from an arch rev. And um, by the time he got Oleander into combat, it was just too late. Like he stacked himself on top of his own units and couldn't really move around enough to make his units get their full value. Um, so I ended up winning that one, but that was largely through KG play. If he would have been, like, if he deep struck a little differently and just came into me as a big wave, I think I would have been overwhelmed and broken. Only because he sort of tripped over himself did I have a chance. Um, yeah, they felt good in both cases. I had to really play KG to make Sylvaneth take the win. There was no, like, just straight up, let's fight in the middle of the field. Um, but I think that's kind of the fun of the book. And uh, overall, had a really good time. Age of Sigmar feels quite good right now. Um, yeah, I'm very excited to hop back into that there Age of Sigmar. Yeah, and I was so excited after playing those games that uh, I started working on finishing my Durthu. Um, so he's currently on my paint table. Uh, he's got all of his like base colors down. Well, I can't. I guess I can't say all of them. Uh, he's. I've got to do leaves and his glowy bits. Leaves and glowy bits. I did all of, like the internal carapace and the bark is done. Um, so yeah, Durthu did so well in both games that I just wanted to have him painted. Uh, and I think I'm just going to continually do that for Sylvaneth and paint them up, you know, one big creature at a time. Because I just like painting the big monsters. Um, yeah, it was a decent hobby time. It just feels like less because I did so much in the first week. But, you know, I had more time in the first week. Got to be kind of kind to yourself, which I think is an important thought to keep in your head as we move into the full topic of falling off the wagon. All right, John. So this is a transition. What a transition. I'm a professional podcaster. I can ramble about my games for like three minutes, but then transition like a champ. Everybody's over here like, Joe, I do not give a damn about where you put your trees. <laughs> Strategy. I do not care where you put your trees. <laughs> Fair this listeners. Like the five dudes who definitely, definitely care where you put your trees <laughs> because it might mean we lose the game. <laughs> There's one person out there in their mind eye theater picturing the battlefield as I describe it. Yes, yes, good move. Yes. Only one guy. It's probably Lucas, um, if I had to guess. Although... Shout out. Now Lucas has trees, friend of the show, and his tr painted trees look incredible. And I got to admit, I have to paint my trees because I'm the Sylvaneth guy and he cannot paint his army of Sylvaneth before I have mine painted. I can't allow that. You've been challenged. I have. He has thrown down the gauntlet and I must accept. God. Lucas is delightful, single-handedly keeping me off the, the hobby wagon. Keeping me on the hobby wagon. 
So, John, like, <laughs> I guess, like, I've used this term a couple of times this episode. Uh, and I know that, like, we get listeners who have played for a long time and might understand this. But also we have a number of people who probably don't play a lot or are newer to the hobby segment. So, like, what do we mean when we are talking about falling off the wagon? So, the easiest way to explain it is that the hobby wagon is kind of like this thing that you're riding along and having a great time on while you're on it. You're playing games, you're painting models, you're doing a bunch of, like, stuff. You're probably reading articles, you're watching YouTube videos, you're doing all sorts of stuff. And then something happens. Maybe something changes in your life. Maybe you just start playing a new video game or something occurs and you will pop off of it for a bit and stop engaging with the hobby as much. You probably still do to some extent, like you probably don't fully stop. Like I, we're going to talk about how I fall off the wagon on this, but you know, I still paint models. I still watch videos. I still do stuff, but I haven't played a lot of games. So I feel like I have fallen off the wagon. Um, and that feels different for different folks. For some people, it's a painting problem like they might still play a game every week or something but they haven't painted something in weeks um they might do neither they might do none of it they might be just not touching it at all and then questioning if they even like this hobby um which is sort of another topic but it's still kind of associated with this right like mm -hmm. the hobby wagon is essentially the collective group continuing to like enjoy this as like a big interest slash like hobby yeah, I think, like, when I think of the bandwagon, I think of it is sort of the place where everyone is on and having fun together and doing the thing that they want to do. And everyone wants to be on that wagon if you really keep wanting to be a part of the hobby. But, you know, sometimes stuff gets in the way and you tumble off. Um, and knowing how to, like, catch up and get back on is helpful because, God, it can be hard to do sometimes depending on what sort of caused you to stumble in the first place, uh, which is something we're going to get to. But I think the way that we want to do this is to break down John falling off the wagon and kind of unpack his thoughts on what happened for him and how it feels and then use that to springboard into other folks and maybe what we've seen happen to other people who've fallen off. And then, you know, towards the end, give some thoughts on maybe what we can do about it to help folks. So, like, John, by your own admission, you have fallen off the wagon. Guilty. Yes. Um... So, like, I guess the best way to start is, like, what has caused you to feel like you have stumbled off the wagon? Like, what got in the way? So, like, I have felt like I have been off of the wagon for probably a couple months now. And it's largely because, like, even though I build and paint models, I, I do not play the game regularly. Um, not nearly like I used to. And, like, part of that is just having different responsibilities now than I used to. The other part of it is I just haven't been able to prioritize the game, um, either because of my own stuff going on or just there hasn't been time for it. Um, so it, it, it creates this sort of void of, well, I want to play with my Chaos Knights that are staring at me across my desk or my Slaves of Darkness that are staring at me across my desk, but I have not been able to like get the gumption to do all the planning and logistics to get a game in. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that is difficult. Like That feels like I have fallen off the wagon. And when that sits for long enough, I, I start to slowly lose my motivation to paint. My motivation to like read more books, to watch more like content, to like do more stuff in this sphere. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
the longer that goes on, the more it becomes like a struggle to enjoy this hobby that I know I enjoy, but I'm no longer engaging with it in any sort of way. And then you go, man, what do I do? How do I re-engage with this thing that I know I want to, but for some reason can't? Yeah. Well, I think like it just comes down to first step is always like looking at the factors that caused it to be so hard to do the thing. So like in your case, work has sucked. Yes. Which makes it hard to play games because, you know, there's only so many hours in a week or a day. Um, and when many, many of them hours are going towards a job that is hectic because of holiday rush, that can certainly be difficult to get games in around. Yes. Um, so I guess like the thing I want to mention here is that the thing that makes this a problem isn't that John has fallen off the wagon. The thing that makes this a problem is John has fallen off the wagon, but feels like he really wants to be on it. Yes. Like I'm like chasing the wagon. Like it's like the the scene from like every train movie. That's a that's a genre, I guess. Train, train movie. movies? Is or, that a genre? Yeah. I'm not sure if that's a genre, but it might be. Where a person's like chasing after like a train car and the other person's holding their hand out like, Please jump on the train. Yeah. Like, I've seen train like, to trying, but like yeah, the train, so hard to catch. Like you can only run after that train for so long before you're like, Oh well the train's just gonna go. Yeah, because I think it's different to be someone who's like, hey, I think I'm no longer feeling this hobby, and I'm going to uh, step off the wagon at this here stop. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for all the fish. Um, and then, you know, walk away if you're an agency, because you feel good about it. You, you know, had your fun, and you're just moving on to other pastures. And that's totally yes. fine. There is nothing inherently wrong with that. Uh, the problem is if you have stumbled off the wagon, but you still really want to be on the wagon. Um, yeah, like it, 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 it definitely one feels more jarring than the other. I think the key word there is agency, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you feel like you don't have agency in your decisions with the hobby. It becomes difficult to engage with the hobby. Yeah, certainly. Because um, like, I feel like a lot of people, they start to. I want to make sure that they don't feel bad for slowing down, even if the hobby no longer serves them. You know, that happens. Like, as you grow as a human being, you are going to do different hobbies over time. I mean, you probably don't do all of the same stuff you do now as you did when you were 10. You have, over time, had a number of new things that you got into, enjoyed for a while, and some of them just be went beyond. And that's okay if wargaming is one of them. You don't have to stay in it. Um, but yeah, the key is really... If you want to keep staying, that's when you really might want to consider trying to make a push to get back on the, the wagon, so to speak. And I feel like that's an important point to say just like straight up front. Uh, so there's like no weird shame associated. That's the thing I really want to avoid. So like for John's issue specifically, it largely work, but like. I think there are probably other issues for a lot of people that get in the way. So let's spitball some of those. So like work is certainly a big one, I think, for a lot of people, because let's be honest, you, you got to make money to pay your bills. It's just, that's just how it works. Um, and if you, it's also like the predominant, like eater of time, right? Like I think the vast majority of people would say that like 
I don't. I, I work so that I can live, not that I live for work. So like they're they're losing at minimum generally at least forty hours a week to like this thing they just have to do as rote. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's anything else I spend forty hours a week doing other than sleeping. Like that, you get forty hours a week of sleeping. I doubt it, but like it's the only <laughs> thing even close. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, like six to seven hours a night, seven days a week. Eh. Yeah, I don't. There's nothing I spend nearly that amount of time on, and I think that's probably true for most people. You know, as much as like we'd love it to be like, oh, that's how much time you get to spend with your kids or whatever. It, probably not. Probably a lot less. Um, so like work getting busy can be shitty, especially if you're in a job that has sort of like peaks and valleys. Uh, can be real tough depending on your time of year. If you're in something like constructions or warehouses or retail or something. Um. So I think that's hard for a lot of folks. Also, uh, I think school eats up some of this as well, depending on like your age or what you're doing. Um, also can be rough. Uh, when I was at college, I had one semester. It's just the worst convergence of classes and whatnot. I had 13 hour school days for a couple of days of the week. And those, uh, I mean, you can bet your bottom dollar. There was nothing else happening that day. Uh, cause it, there was just no other time. By the time you come home after 13 hours at school and then commuting there and back, I mean, it was like 14 to 15 hours of my day gone. So you're really just like crashing. No gaming. Um, and that's not even including like study time and stuff. I also think a lot of people get struggle when there's like family commitments that you've got to do. Uh, yeah. Let's be honest, like being in a family unit or like friend unit sometimes comes with other things you've got to do to help people. And uh, that's probably going to come first a lot of the time compared to playing with little plastic army men. And rightly so in many cases. Hell, most cases. But like I think it's important to acknowledge that sometimes that's going to take a lot of your time. Uh, if your kids, for example, are playing like peewee football... And they've got a really, really busy schedule for games all over the place. Yeah, you could kiss a lot of your weekends goodbye. And weeknights for practices. Uh, and, like, you might have to do parent stuff there to, like, sell tickets or work concessions or, like, whatever. Like, you're just gonna... Your time disappears because the kids come first. It's gonna happen. Uh, and that's alright. I get it. You should put that first, but, like... If you still want to be on the wagon, it's tough to be between those two things. Your wants and your, you know, familial obligations. Uh, and then I think the last one that really, as we were trying to brainstorm, like what gets in the way is that I think also like physical or mental health struggles can really make the hobby a bear depending. Yes, for sure. Um, like if you're at work, and you throw your back out and you have like a terrible back injury when you're like working construction one day, uh, that could make it hard as hell to stand at a table and play a four hour game of Warhammer. You just like, you physically might not be able to do that for a long time or sitting like in a paint desk chair for a long time could be really painful in that instance. Or, or if you have like a really hard time focusing 
and you have to like it's a, a active struggle for you to get yourself to focus on tasks throughout the day and you spend like a solid 10 hours a day doing that and after when you're done you might not want to be able to you might not be able to sit and focus on a game as much as you would like and that could sour your experience even so it is an unfortunate reality for a lot of people who play these games yeah i mean the mental portion including me <laughs> yeah I, for both of us the mental portion of this hits home a lot um i think oftentimes i have fallen off the wagon i mean like other stuff taking time certainly makes it hard but i think the worst one for me is like mental health struggles like when you were just unable to feel excitement for anything man that can make it hard to stay on the wagon because you just don't have a give a damn to spare you have nothing um and that's a tough one that like is worth shouting out like even if you might have the like hypothetical hours to like oh yeah i have all this hour tonight to do stuff but if your brain is fried for whatever reason uh those hours are not going to actualize in the way you want. Uh, and God, that sucks. But because I've dealt with it, I have some strategy to try to cope with it. We got t- we got a tier list for strategies to tackle mental health issues in wargaming. <laughs> How to deal with the big sads, or in my case, the big numb. Bad. Bad, bad. Um, but like obviously all of these things are uniquely challenging in their own ways. And depending on your issues, it could take different strategies to try to get over these humps because it's all individualized to the person. You might have one of these things taking up uh, your sort of mental space. You might have multiple of these factors stacking on top of each other. Uh, or you might have other factors that aren't even on here kind of taking things up. Um, so like... Generally speaking, it I think what's important is to look at your sort of mental landscape and point out to yourself what the problems are and the challenges to try to overcome. And once you know what those are, then try to plot a course around them that's reasonable. And this is where I want to get into like the last portion of the episode, and I think the most important is what do we do about it? Um, so like... John is off the wagon. Now we have identified that like work and mental health stuff, which certainly tied together, make it hard to play games because the give a damn is gone, especially for like 40k. Um, so with all of that in mind, what do? And like the first thing is to ask yourself, do you play too many game systems? Uh, and are the ones that you're currently pushing at serving what you need or want out of the hobby? Yeah, like for me, that's that was like a big question I asked myself immediately, right? Like this is my first rodeo. This is my first time getting fallen off the horse. Like it has happened many times. And for me, generally, it is coming from a point where I have like overburdened myself with things. And if we can be very honest like the current landscape of games right now both age of sigmar and 40k are very complicated intense games age of sigmar i think is a couple degrees less intense than 40k mm-hmm. i think 40k has, has approached a new level of like d- deep dense rules 
um, to a level that makes it hard for me to play because it takes away time from doing all the other things I want to do in the hobby, right? Like if I only played 40k, I could probably manage it. But I also want to do Age of Sigmar. I also want to do A Song of Ice and Fire. I also have an interest in like Conquest. Oh, right? Last Argument of Kings. Yeah, I, I God, I, I want to hijack it. I've been reading Conquest, Last Argument of Kings, lore, and holy hell, what a great world! Yes, like these are all interesting. Not to mention that in 40k, it's not like I'm into like one faction. Like I'm, <laughs> yeah. Um, and coming to terms with the fact that, like, I'm still allowed to like that thing and collect those those models and paint those models and enjoy those models and recognize that maybe the game is not in a place where I can play it right now and maybe I should wait until the thing I know is coming later this year, which is 10th edition, is probably a healthy choice to make. Right? It makes that a whole lot easier. That makes that mental calculus way easier. Um, and the other thing is having some game systems in the background that are very easy to play, like Star Wars Legion. Um, Song of Ice and Fire. Those are very streamlined, easy to pick up, play a game in a few hours. Systems don't require like research and having this tome that I have built a list from that is immaculate and I have painted and I've done these things for. Like it's not a project; it is a episode, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it requires less to play some of those games. Um, so I think like asking yourself if the game systems you're into are currently like really difficult for you is so incredibly helpful. You know, particularly let's say you've got a lot of work and family stuff. You've got kids that are in sports, you're working 40 to 50 hours a week. You don't have a lot of time in the evenings when you go to play. So playing a f three to four hour game of Warhammer 40 K is just not going to happen for you. Um, are you maybe able to play another game you like where the games take an hour? You know, A Song of Ice and Fire or something like that. Uh, or if you really want to stay in 40k flavor because you really enjoy that, have you maybe looked into Kill Team? You know, a small version. Uh, I, I think that can really help to alleviate some of the roadblocks to where at least you can play games, maybe, even though you have less time. Um, yeah, and you can even like try to plan if you still want to play the big version, like the big game. You still plan times to do that in the future, but you're probably gonna have to plan those on weekends and like sporadically, probably not on a regular schedule. And you can just move on through playing the small games in between to keep like the the motivation going, and then have bigger events to play the big games. Yeah. Uh, fully agreed. And also just acknowledging that, like, especially if you're dealing with mental health stuff and you don't have a lot of bandwidth to spare, some of these games are mentally taxing. Incredibly mentally taxing. Looking at you, current edition of 40K. Yes. There's a lot to remember. There's a lot to, like, sort of choreograph together. There's all sorts of rules you've got to figure out pre-game. A ton of stratagems you have to memorize many of which aren't even useful. Um, and then you've got to know your opponent's stuff. It's just secondary objectives on top of that. It's, it, it's a lot. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on. It's a ton going on. If you're someone who, due to mental struggles, doesn't have a lot of bandwidth, that is going to be difficult for you. You are setting yourself up for a rough time. Especially if some of the factions that you like speak to you are not like the... 
I don't want to call them simple factions, but more straightforward factions. Like, if you're a person, right, who you, like hyperfixates and you have, like, this big big focus problem where, like, you, you have, outside of work, have struggled focusing on other stuff too much. Uh, and the faction that speaks to you is, like, genes to their cult. You're in a, for a rough time. Oh, like, buddy, that's <laughs> a tough one. <laughs> I don't mean to say that from personal experience, but I'm going to tell you. Uh... <laughs> My brain is pudding, and I try to play Jesus the Cult sometimes, and it's <laughs> it goes goes flat. It don't work. Yeah, so, like you know, just tailor maybe your experience a little. Play uh, boarding actions, or go play kill team, or try another system that is more streamlined. Star Wars Legion, I think, is really good for that. A Song of Ice and Fire is very good for that if you have that flavor. Uh, hell, Malifo, another good one if you're into that flavor. There are games out there to help you with this, but just consider that your game to life matchup matters and follow, you know, what your interests are to just try to make them align a little more. Um, and I think that there's, there's also some play within like age of Sigmar and 40 K if you're honest with yourself, right? Like I think if you're, if you're honest about where you're at and what you can handle, maybe you can't play the new tournament pack because it's a lot, Maybe you need to like work with your playgroup or like your friend that you play the game with all the time. And be like, hey, can we just play some super simple missions? Like, don't worry about secondaries. Don't worry about stuff. I just want to play like a game using the rules, but like cut some of the rules down and just try to have a good time. Like, that's also an option. It does make it does make it a little bit easier when you can just go. I'm not going to play with this whole tournament pack. Just throw it out. Don't need it. Yeah, we do that all the time for 40k and Age of Sigmar. Um, because they rotate so quickly, and I mean, like every six months they throw them out the window and bring in a new one, which for me is just too damn fast. Um, yeah, it doesn't seem like a long time because six months is like quite a bit, but when life's moving fast, like, and you six months is no time. Yeah, if you are grinding out games of this system, uh, you might only get to play with that book, maybe like three, four games before it rotates out, and just when you're starting to get the grasp of it, it's gone. Here's a new book. Start over again. It's uh, it can be hard. So if you want to just jettison those, just do it. <laughs> it's it, we do it all the time. It works really nicely. Just use the yeah, course. I think. I think the hype cycle of like, forty k and Age of Sigmar with like Warhammer community and Reddit and Facebook groups and yada yada make always make you feel like you've got to be playing the new bestest thing. But you can just throw them out. Like you can just play whatever you want to enjoy. Um, I think oftentimes those hype cycles, that, that treadmill, will ruin your fun and makes you slip and fall off the wagon in the first place. Um, I know it does for me at least. Like if I start like doing the Warhammer community thing too much, I will start going and spraying out and trying to collect and do everything, or like play all the things instead of just. Hey man, just try to get a game in. Like, don't just. It's like the was it the eighty twenty theory, right? If I spend eighty percent of my time reading about the new edition, but I have played it for twenty percent of the time, have I played the new edition? Like, I mean, probably. Really? I would argue no. I'd argue no. At least not really. You haven't explored it. Um, yeah, I, especially if you're prone to like mental health struggles, especially like burnout. I think avoiding the hype cycle or playing games that don't really have it to the same extent is incredibly helpful. 
Um, it could just preserve your mental wherewithal uh, to keep on playing these games. It's so, so good. Uh, you won't necessarily feel like you're missing out on so much because the FOMO is intended uh, and it's very effective. There's always releases every day, all the time, for ev all sorts of factions all over the place. New splat books, new rule books, new editions, new general's handbooks. It's, it's nonstop. Um, so just like disconnect from it if you have to and realize that it's totally fine. Uh, also, one of the things I think is the most helpful uh, is when you're feeling sort of disconnected and distant from the hobby is to lean into using communal systems to sort of reconnect yourself or keep yourself in the sphere of the hobby in general. Um, I find this one for me is incredibly helpful. Uh, we have a Discord where it's just like the paint channel where every, like people will post cool YouTube videos that they found for the hobby. They'll post progress photos. I love progress photos or like new list ideas or game ideas or whatever. It feels great. Um, and being able to see those updates, you know, day in and day out and just chat and talk with people. Uh, you know, they're you know cool people that I enjoy interacting with on a base level, much less doing like games and stuff with is so incredibly helpful to be, keep me involved. Um, it feels like you're still part of the bandwagon, even if you have stumbled off of said wagon. And also, like, I think what really helps here is that, let's say you're listening to this and you're not off the bandwagon, you might be someone who is on it, but has seen someone fall. You got a bud who you know is going through some stuff and has stumbled off the bandwagon. This is a great way to help extend a hand to help pull them back on. And to send them hobby progress and get them involved and just keep them in the conversation so that they know that they aren't excluded and that they can just step back whenever you whenever they'd like. You know, maybe try, yes. try to set up a game with them, share what's going on with them, chat with them. It helps. And like having an open door really is a important aspect, right? Like if, if a person falls off and then they walk up to try to go back into the game store and the, the door's locked, they're going to be like, Oh, well fuck it. I'm just going to be done. But if the door's open and they can see people in there having a good time, they'd be like, I want to have a good time. And they'll walk in and have a good time. Um, being welcoming and inviting, I think is paramount in like the hobby space generally. Yeah. But I think especially if someone's going through a rough spot, Man, throw them a life preserver and help them out a little. <laughs> You're going to be yeah. going through a rough spot at some point. You're going to wish someone did it for you. So just like yeah. get in there, get a little messy, sometimes, help them out. Sometimes you need to be the person playing the game. Sometimes someone else needs to be the person playing the games. Like it, it happens. It's okay. Eat some chicken tenders, play some games and then laugh and have a great time. Yeah. And then I think the last one is if you're a person off the wagon, and like you're trying to get back on the best advice I can give you from my own experience is to follow your inspiration wherever that takes you and cut yourself free from old anchors. Uh, and you're probably like, that's a little flowery for this podcast of like two weird dudes from Kentucky and like, yeah, okay, fair. Um, but what I mean by that is, when you're trying to get back in the hobby, 
you might be considering starting to like paint or work on something and you made a promise to yourself before, oh, I'm going to finish this army. This army force is the thing I'm going to do and I'm going to finish it all the way to the end before I do anything else. So now you are looking at that army thing that you have promised yourself you're going to totally finish before you touch anything else and thinking, well, I don't want to do that. So I guess I don't want a hobby at all. Cut yourself free from that thing if it gets you back in. Pick up another project. It is better to be painting and hobbying and having a good time and getting hobby done than to be getting no hobby done because of some weird internal strata that you have used to bind yourself to, you know, immobility. It's just, it's not going to help you. Uh, So just cut yourself free. And even if that leads you to another game system that you haven't touched before, so be it. It's inspiration. Follow it. Now, of course, within reason, like, don't go blow money you don't have on, like, stuff you don't need. Like, you know, you're adults. But, like, if it's in the realm of possibility, just follow that inspiration, even if it leads you to a weird place. Um, I think that can help immensely to, like, spark the fires of creation and get you going. Uh, you know, if you see a faction that you're super into, you read some lore that you're really into, or like you see a paint scheme that you really want to try to like riff on, even if it's not the thing you originally had in mind before you fell off, that's okay. Just run with it. And like, I think John has been struggling with that recently. Yes. Like it is a... It is a struggle to go from, like, these are the factions and things I'm very interested in and I want to do, and to go out of nowhere from left field, get hit with a thing that isn't just like a fleeting fancy that I'm used to, but like a, no, you genuinely want to do this thing. And just allowing myself to accept that inspiration and move with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that spark of creativity and interest and drive is for me the most powerful thing to help get me back on combined with like a group setting to share cool ideas with cool people like that combo for me helps the most. And sometimes that is a new game system. And sometimes I feel like a bastard for sharing them, but people really like them. So here we are. I, uh, yes, I'm the local crack dealer and I feel like I just sometimes toss a hand grenade into a group chat and then watch it explode as everyone's like, Oh my God, look at that cool stuff. Is that a orc on a dinosaur? Like sometimes you just gotta be a bastard. It's fine. Everyone has a good time in the end. You're all welcome. We love a song of ice and fire now. Wouldn't have found it if I didn't follow my inspiration, even if it led me to a weird place. Um, So, like, just do that. And then, like, the single rule that I would say goes through all of these is to, uh, like, the one I want to end on is the best piece of advice I could give you is to just be kind to yourself during this process. What you're trying to do when you're trying to get back on the wagon is hop on a high-speed vehicle that is coming past you with all sorts of folks on it. And trying to do that is not an easy maneuver. So don't be too rough on yourself if you try to hop back on and fall a few times. That's okay. Yeah, it, it, It's fine. 
Yeah, I think patience is important to remember when doing this. Like, it is difficult. Like, life is hard, let's be honest. The entirety of life is difficult, and this is supposed to be fun. And it feels weird when it's not fun. But sometimes you need to push through the not fun to get back to the fun, if that makes sense. And it's okay for that to be frustrating, and it's okay for that to take some time. Yeah, I mean, it, you're going to stumble a few times, and that's okay. It's all right. Get back up. Dust yourself off. Try again. Uh, the people will be waiting there. The hobby will still be there. You're not going to miss it. It's still there. So cut yourself a little bit of slack, man. Like, being doing stuff is hard. It's... You're going to be all right. Um, and while going through ideas, I think these are the general tips that we, we could ponder. But for people out there, if these don't quite address your particular situation... Uh, and you know, you got some other stuff going on and like you, you thought through these, like, ah, none of those quite do it, but you still want to get back on. Feel free to reach out to us. Um, the social medias are open, uh, send us a DM and like genuinely, we it would be happy to help you solve your particular puzzle if at all possible. Um, this is really hard to do. And if you've got some big stuff stacked in front of you, uh, sometimes getting some particular advice from folks who don't mind just like listening a little uh, could be helpful. So we're here and we're happy to do it because the more people hobby in, the better. And, uh, you know, if I was falling off the wagon, I'd hope someone would do it for me. Uh, so this one has been like a softer, sort of a little more speculative episode, but hopefully it's helpful for people out there. Uh, if you aren't currently off the wagon, you might know someone who is. Uh, maybe ponder these things, and then you come up with a strategy to try to help them a little. We'd really, really like that. Um, we'll be working on other episode ideas. Uh, this conquest, the last argument of kings thing, is getting dangerously interesting. And yes, dinosaur orcs, uh, dwarves, or fire slayers, but cool. Um, yeah, we'll see if we end up actually getting into it as a miniatures game. Um, also we've got follow-up episodes coming up on a song of ice and fire. Cause my league is now done. Uh, and I think going to do a little bit of talking about how that experience was for me and, uh, share it around. We'll be working on those, but for now that's been all of our opinions, bonafide and Kentucky fried. We'll see y'all on the next episode.